Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Faton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. Thanks for being here with us today. As always, big shout out to my executive producer, Andre Subtle, Subtle Solution Media, that helps make this podcast possible. We have a great episode in store for you. And I always love when we get the insights of someone who's made it successful in their business and continues to pour into others. I'm talking about the founder of Growth Boss, e-commerce sales coach, Deirdre Shen, on the podcast with us. Deirdre, thanks for joining us. Hi, Ted. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to hop into today's subject matter. I know we're going to talk about a lot of things, e-commerce and online businesses and scaling them up. But first, I want to make sure that our audience has an opportunity to get introduced to you, find out who you are, where you're from, what you do, and uh, how you help people each and every single day. Yeah. So in short, I am an e-commerce sales and marketing coach, and I help e-commerce business owners sell their product out using the live conversion method. And then in addition to that, so that's kind of my coaching arm of business. And then I also do virtual CMO work uh, where I help, you know, those businesses really looking to scale, don't have the time to do it, but want the strategies, want the team, want the oversight to actually, you know, and I call it my viral product formula <laughs> to actually really scale and make your product viral and contagious, which is super, super cool. So yeah, mm-hmm. those are kind of the, the couple of things I'm working on right now. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of the customer psychology behind that, but one thing we always talk about on the podcast, and I, I love that you've been able to not only execute this, but coach others on it is you know, multiple streams of income, right? Multiple streams of revenue. And part of that, we've talked about the importance of an online business or the benefits of an online business. And that's something obviously through e-commerce you've embarked on. So I'm interested to know what that story was like on how you discovered it and what the initial journey was, because I know some people look at online businesses and you see all these blogs or all these YouTubers who's like, I started my Shopify store, got my first sale in 24 hours, scaled it to $10,000 in one month. That's not always the reality. I'm interested to know what your experience was like. Oh, wow. That is definitely not the reality. So it's funny. I actually come from a completely different background, which was in hospitality. Well, actually, I don't even come from that. Like, let me back up a little bit. So I'll tell you a little bit of my journey, if you don't mind, just to set the scene and uh, give a bit of context. So you can probably tell from my accent, I am from Australia, from Sydney, and my parents uh, were first migrants there. So they're originally from Malaysia. And as with a lot of, especially Asian families, they move you know, overseas to give their kids a better, better opportunities, a better life, you know, opportunities that they didn't have themselves. So I kind of grew up without even knowing it with almost this weight of expectation. And what that, how that manifested itself into is like, you know, for example, I started um, getting privately tutored since third grade. I had to get into sort of what they call opportunity class for the gifted and talented in year five and six. Took a test to get into the top selective school in the state. And I was on this path. My dad was adamant. He was like, you're going to become a doctor. You're going to become a doctor because that's kind of the dream, right? So I was kind of without knowing it on this path. And there were expectations on me to almost like make their sacrifice worth it, if that makes sense. Mm. Like they had left their family, everyone, you know, in Malaysia and had come over for us and it kind of 
yes, I had this a bit of pressure without knowing it and without really actually acknowledging it. Then it got to a point I was in 12th grade and doing, you know, my university, we'll call it university or college um, admissions um, applications. And, you know, I was like, okay, medicine was going to be top, but then it's like, if I don't get into medicine, what's my plan B? And I looked at all of, you know, because medicine is a science degree. So I was like, surely it'd be like medical science or some kind of science. And I was like, the thought of doing a science degree was just like, I could not. And so I was like, because I hate science. So I was like, how does this make sense? Should I really be doing medicine when I don't even like the thing that, uh, anyway, so I got to the point where I negotiated. I negotiated with my my dad because I was like, okay, look, this is where I'm at. I can't do this. Why don't we compromise and I'll do a law degree instead (laughs) (laughs) which i can relate as the son of two immigrants like their path to success is you're gonna be a doctor or a lawyer (laughs) right (laughs) now so the thing with a law degree in australia is that you have to it has to be a double degree so really what i wanted to do was i wanted to do a business degree and so i did a business and law combined degree in the end so and went into banking from my first job and very quickly realized I was really fortunate. I was put on this really big project, once in a decade kind of regulatory reform, which had visibility all the way up to the CEO. So I was in rooms with like really senior people in the of the bank, but which was great. And I'm forever grateful for that kind of experience and that exposure. But what that also sort of had me exposed to was the politics that, you know, everyone talks about. It's this thing that happens, but you never really see it until it's like right in between your eyes like I saw the back channeling that was happening I was seeing all of the you know really the politics playing out in terms of what you have to do and what you have to become to actually climb that corporate ladder mm-hmm. and I think even from there I was like oh gosh this I don't think this is going to be for me either because I just couldn't imagine having to do all of that you know give myself to you know almost compromise some of my values to actually play that game yeah. And so so I was kind of at this crossroads. I found myself at this crossroads. Now, my then boyfriend, our husband, he had funnily enough gotten into medicine and he was he was miserable. He was not enjoying it. Now at the time we had sort of we just moved out together. We had to, it was our first time kind of adulting. We're like, oh, we now have to cook for ourselves. This is novel. And <laughs> I very quickly like I was like, oh gosh, cooking is not my thing. Like I'm the kind of person who's like, I'll just turn the you know put a pot on and then I'll just throw things into it and just hope that at the end something see what happens (laughs) that's that's kind of my cooking style whereas Ash he's very like he he fell in love with like cooking and especially baking because I love desserts and so he was perfecting this particular um, molten lava chocolate cake recipe for me that was we used to Mm. travel like 30 minutes to go to this one restaurant and did it sublimely anyway so we that was kind of like the thing and he loved it. And so we were both kind of at these stages of our lives where we're like, we don't really know what, you know, what we're going to do, what's in store for us. Um, at the time, obviously, we're kind of like early-ish 20s, had no like mortgage, no no kids, nothing to kind of, I guess, be worried about. And so we decided to open our first business. And our first business was in hospitality. And it was a dessert bar called The Chocolate. It's still operating today. So this was like eight years ago or something. And it was, wow, that's been a journey for sure. (laughs) I do want to ask because I love the spot where you're at right now in the story, because I think so many people can relate. You know, you go through all the steps, whether the weight of expectation is on you or not, whether the listener right now is a child of immigrants, or maybe they've just been hard workers all through school. Mm. Because here you and, and your now husband are highly educated, 
you've done all the work, gone through school, but you realize, okay, hey, what I went through, maybe this isn't what I want to do. You know, what's that realization like? Because I think so many people get there and they're afraid to walk away because of the amount they've invested in. So what was, I guess, the pull for opening that business? Ah, oh, gosh, you're so right in terms of like, you know, walking away or like the, almost the, the fear of, there's so many fears that goes on, that go on with, with making like that. Like, obviously there's the fear of failure, like a hundred percent. There's the whole, like, yeah, the logical side of you is like, but I've, yeah, as you said, invested all this time, all this money, all this effort into a career path, whatever that might look like for anyone and what we're just going to like throw that all away. So there's that. And, you know, being of an Asian background as well, it's very, you know, and like, I feel like, I don't know, but I'm just generalizing whether it is an Asian thing or not, but like, you know, a lot of it is about like, you need to make them, we're very economical, right? And, right. <laughs> and so we're kind of like, you know, if you put that time and effort into it, it's like something has to come from that thing, that that directly, there needs to be a direct line of sight between the thing that you spent money on and an outcome that you're looking to achieve. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it was a big, big thing for us. So the way that we kind of went about it was, so my husband is not Asian. He was, he did not have any of these things holding him back. He was just like, Yep, I'm just, you know what, I'm going to defer. Like, so what we did was he deferred his degree because we were like, okay, look, we'll give it a go. If it really doesn't work, then at least he has a fallback plan. And I was still working. So he he gave that up so he could go full-time into business. And I was only part-time in business because I still had to keep my nine-to-five for a period of time because we had no other way of funding anything. Like this, this was, you know, this was kind of it. And so in a way that was kind of like our way of somewhat being smart about it mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to kind of balance that until we got to a point where, you know, I could sort of give up in my nine to five. And I think a lot of people actually go start that way, especially doing an online business. And like an online business is so much like simpler to do that with because you don't have to physically go to a location and be bound by that time, if that makes yeah. sense. So this yeah. was, well, the hospitality business was an online business or no? Oh, no. So this is what I mean. This is, we started a brick and mortar business. Um, yes. Okay. So that's yeah. what you had to kind of like scale up before getting into an online business. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, fast forward to now, basically in that time we had grown this brand, you know, it was hard. It was hard. We grew it to five locations. At the same time, we opened a burger restaurant. So we have two locations. And then a whole bunch of things happened and it was kind of the colors to make the move to work and live over here in New York. And so we, like, I don't know if you want me to go, me to go into any of that, but mm-hmm. essentially at the time I had actually also started a new business with another co-founder that was in fashion technology. And so it was kind of like the nexus of, of that plus finding out that one of our really, really trusted employees who was our store manager for our busiest store in the city had in he'd been working for us for four to five years and in that time he'd been stealing from us like and when I say stealing I mean hundreds of thousands of dollars kind of stealing like a lot of money and I think when that happened and sometimes and I say this all the time like we get out of corporate sometimes because we want to get off the hamster wheel Mm -hmm. and then in a way it's really exciting and I would encourage everyone who is at all interested in starting a business to do it because you never want to get anything in life. But also at some point you might actually find that you've just, by doing that, you've actually 
built yourself another hamster wheel, just a different looking one. And I think that's where we got to at that point in time. And we just needed almost a circuit breaker, which that ends up being, you know, almost having this big betrayal end up being the circuit breaker that we needed to kind of look at where we were, where we're going and what we're doing and be like, is this where we're meant to be right now? And so because I'd started this fashion technology business already, I was kind of like, you know what? I've always wanted to live and work overseas. New York is the best intersection of fashion technology. So I was like, let's do it. I, you know, packed my bags, came here with my husband, cat, and co-founder in tow. I was like, you know, <laughs> over to New York City and yeah and then that's kind of you know my first foray into online businesses so do you want me to sort of go into that now yeah I would say that's the perfect transition because something I want the listeners and the watchers to drive home is when we look at these online businesses and I know we're going to hop into some e-commerce right now a lot of people look at it as "Ooh, I could just start this thing on the side but I love the fact that before you hop into the online business like at this point, when you're moving to New York, you actually have some pretty good experience as a business owner. You've, you're an entrepreneur at this point, and you're moving to New York for the opportunity of really the industry that you're in and that growth, and then leaning into the online side. I think this is the perfect transition, but the point I'm trying to drive home for folks is like, yeah, starting a Shopify store, or if you're starting drop shipping or private label or, or anything like that, fulfillment by Amazon, FBA, there's actually business practices that you need to apply here in order for it to be successful. Or if you treat it like a hobby, it's always going to be a hobby. So I love the fact that the listeners got that context that you're a business owner about to start hopping into this e-commerce world. And thank you for, for raising that because I think it's so important. Like regardless of what business you get into, being a business owner does like when I talk about marketing and, and we can definitely go into some of that, like it almost does like marketing and sales is kind of the same. The psychology behind it is the same regardless because ultimately you're selling to a person. You're selling to human. And human we all love to think that we're different, but really at the core of it, we are all actually the same. The way that we think, the way that we make decisions, all of that, we are all actually the same. So it almost doesn't matter, like, you know, because and what like I always, always lean on my hospitality background because Far out. If you can make an hospital, like hospitality is one of the hardest, especially I'm going to say in Australia, because minimum wages in Australia is high. It is high. If you can make like, and, you know, rent in Sydney, especially is high. Supplies, you know, getting things, you know, imported into Australia, it's expensive, which means that supplies is high. Like if you can make hospitality work in Sydney, especially in Australia, like, you can almost make anything. <laughs> That's kind of what I've come to. And so it's kind of like, it's almost like I love leaning on that background, even from a marketing perspective, because even for an online business, like that brick and mortar, you know, foundational, like having to almost hustle and think differently and be innovative in that space has 100% helped in how to actually market and grow and think about online businesses. So thank you for raising that because I think that's so important to be like, if you're a business owner, you're a business owner. Like you, Absolutely. Like, <laughs> um, never ever pigeonhole yourself into like I only do X, Y, Z. Like once you've done this, like you know all of the success that you've found, or even haven't found, because even if you haven't found success yet, you are going to 100% have learned so much that and know what not to do next. That when you have your ne your next business, like it's gonna like be ten times simpler and easier because you already know your starting point and you already know the mistake. You already made the mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, 
again. You're not going to make it again. Yeah. So tell me about the journey into the starting with e-commerce first store, first product yeah. maybe, and how that's gone. Cause you've scaled e-commerce store to the seven figures, correct? Yeah. So it's kind of roundabout way that, you know, oh gosh. Okay. So I know that <laughs> we probably don't have the time, but I just want to give all of this context as well. Cause it's just, yeah. yeah. So we came with this fashion technology business idea and with technology, it's always one of those ones where, because generally the ideas are quite new that you need to kind of do quite a lot of testing to make sure that there is what we call like product market fit. You know, is it something that people are going to want to actually have buy or pay you money for? So we kind of hit the ground running with like, actually, because at the time we kind of had two customer avatars, I guess, in our mind. So one being like a college student female, obviously, or one being kind of young professionals. And so we went to like Columbia, we went to NYU, the campuses, and we just like started talking to women and just asked, we were just like very much like they must have been freaked out about us. We were just very much like we went up to strangers and we we're like, hey, we're doing this thing. Would you mind just like, do you have 15 minutes in a day? Just have a chat about this. So that was literally, we just did that like for <laughs> however many days. And we did the same, like luckily because of my our corporate backgrounds, we kind of had a few contacts already in New York. And so we just from there kind of started talking to more and more young professional women. And I uh, did that for a while and got to the point where we were like, oh, while we are actually solving for a problem, the problem isn't, the problem was already solved in ways that people were happy with, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So it was a problem, but people were fine. They were kind of like stumbling their way through solving for it. And they were happy with that already. So our chances of actually monetizing this was really, really quite low. Like not to say impossible, but it was going to, we would need a lot of runway to be able to make it work. And so given that, and I wanted to give this context because I think for an online business, this is actually a really, really important lesson, hopefully to share with you. We were like, do we make that investment of getting, because techno- it's technology, which means, you know, you need developers and you need like, it's going to cost a lot. Do we make this investment or do we just kind of call it quits at this stage? And it was a really, really hard decision because it's, again, one of those things where it's like, you feel like it's your baby. You've been working on this for a long, long time. And to kind of almost be really, like, really straight with yourself and just mm-hmm. say like, is this thing really going to work? Like, is this baby really going to grow up? Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I hope don't it know. does. <laughs> yeah. And, but hope, like, it's kind of not really, for me anyway, again, because I've come from a hope strategy with my first business yeah. and that was hard to, you know, it was hard to grow, like, initially to, to grow that. And, and I just remember the loneliness of that. I was like, I don't think I want to do that, that again necessarily. So we actually decided to fail that business. And then, so I was kind of, we were kind of at a bit of loose ends and I actually ran, funnily enough, I ran into a friend of mine who I didn't even know had moved to New York. Now she had started up her, again, brick and mortar business. And funnily enough, it was in a chocolate retailer. So, you know, chocolate just follows me everywhere that I go. And and she was like, hey, you know, I've got brick and mortar business. They're doing really well, but I want to actually transition online. I want to create an e-commerce business out of this. And I was like, cool. And she was like, and I want you know, you're not really doing anything. I know what you can do. So I want you to help me. I want you to lead it. And I was like, I don't know anything about e-commerce. And so this is the thing. And this is why I want to say, it comes back to that whole message we're talking about, which is if you're a business owner, you're a business owner. It really doesn't matter. Because in my mind, I was like, you know, those imposter syndrome things were coming out where I'm like, oh, why are you, like, I don't want to let you down. Like, I don't, you know, I could t- completely fail you because I've never really done e-commerce. 
Like, yes, I know how to run a brick and mortar store and I know the fundamentals of, of a business and how to do that, you know, face to face, but I don't know how to do that online. And she was like, you know what? I know, like, I know what you're capable of. Let's just do this. I was like, okay, well, let's just do it then. And so because I had that brick and mortar, like, like online, I'm sorry, the, the you know, face-to-face kind of, you know, being able to build rapport and connect with customers at another level, that was kind of, and because that was such a core part of their brick and mortar strategy, like mm-hmm. use you know, their sales assistance when you go in, it's immediately, it's so accommodating, you know, they just love, like, you know, and so we kind of wanted to bottle that feeling up and bring that online. And so that was kind of our starting point. So our starting point was never like, you know, the gurus tell you, and you probably know this yourself, Ted, like have a website, start running ads and you'll become a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Find your product, <laughs> scale it up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that was not our starting point. Our starting point was how can we create this human connection that is so important and that we know makes our businesses successful offline and bring that online. And so we did that with her brand and, you know, that's why I call it like the live conversion method. And we did, we held sort of like this, what we call a festival. And she did like just in that first week, 23K in sales online. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> we were like, okay, there's something here. And then like, it's, we talk about, you know, full circle moments, but at the same time that we were working in this fashion technology business. We were talking to obviously end customers, but we were also talking to boutiques and brands at the same time because it kind of had to be a bit of a marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like, oh, this is really interesting. We can, you know, like this methodology and we wanted to test it more, right? So we actually reached back out to some of these brands and boutiques who their number one problem, like by and large, was always customer acquisition. Acquisition was the number one goal for them. And so we're like, okay, we think we have a way to actually acquire customers, you know, do you want to give it a go? And so we started doing more with these brands and these boutiques and it was working. And then because we had an audience, we knew who we were targeting. We started running ads. We were doing it and like, we're making them a lot of money. And that was when we were like, you know what? You know, like we're doing this really great successfully for other businesses. Why don't we just do this ourselves? So that was when we started our first e-commerce business. It was in skincare. And so long story short, all of that, yes, seven-figure business, we scaled. My friend's business, so Hotel Chocolate, we scaled that to a seven-figure business. And then we worked with brands, but we were kind of also at the same time, like we don't think, we're not loving that kind of like agency done for you model. I really wanted to help people who were at the point that I was when I first started my own business, you know, I, mean, I think I mentioned just how lonely I felt when I had, I felt so stuck. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I had rent piling up. I had supply bills piling up. I had wages I had to pay. And I just felt so stuck and so lonely and claustrophobic almost. Like when I think back and I'm like, I don't want other entrepreneurs to have to feel that way either. And so that was when we made the decision to actually pivot slightly, take these strategies that we tested and actually coach other e-commerce businesses on how to actually do this themselves. So that's kind of <laughs> the story of how we ended up here with Growth Boss. Yeah. And I love that because so the experience is what plays into your ability to help others. And you probably know too, some of the best journeys in entrepreneurship or from solving problems that we once had. And you're kind of you're connecting to these entrepreneurs where they at, meeting them where they are, because you were once there saying, I know what it's like to be overwhelmed with the pressure surrounding you to keep up with everything that's coming at you, the bills, the payroll, and 
you know, running the ads, dissecting the information that's coming at you, it could be overwhelming. I love the awareness and the fact that, okay, hey, you realized you're doing this for other boutiques, you're doing this for other brands, and there's some success being had. So, okay, hey, let's do it for ourselves. My question would be, the beauty industry, highly competitive. And I love, I had to write down, you know, the human experience. I mean, that's something you can't replace. And if you're a business owner, you're a business owner. But that human experience and that human connection, something that's very, very important. I imagine that and along when you talk about the buyer psychology are ways that you can combat some of these big brands, especially if you're marketing on Facebook. How were you able to compete with some of the biggest brands spending millions of dollars on ads and in Facebook and get in front of your audience and compete with a beauty product and scale up from that. Yeah. So, you know, people are always like, I you know, I have so many competitors, how to di- differentiate myself. And I always go back to like the strongest differentiation that you can have is you, because there's only ever going to be one of you in the entire world ever. So, you know, if you can always come back to who you are and what you can bring, that's always going to be your first differentiation. So it almost doesn't matter your product, like, you know, put aside your product in a way, it's always going to come back to, you know, can people know, like, and trust you? Can you build a tribe around something that is greater than your product? Because we always, and I get it, because I've fallen into the same trap myself, but we always have this, we're always, I wouldn't say it's seduced because I think it's a logical thing where we fall in love with our product so much sometimes that the only thing that we can think about. And so everything is anchored in there. When really like no one actually, you know, an early mentor of mine told me this where he said, people might come to you because of your product, maybe, but they stay with you because of their relationship with you. And I, that was, that's kind of carried me through some of my future businesses because I was like, this is so true. You know, people might find out about you maybe because of a product, but really how are you going to retain them is going to be because of how you show up for them and how you make them feel. And it's always going to come down to you and who you are. This is why you are the strongest differentiator. So I always, when I talk to clients, I'm always, you know, one of our selling points is, yes, you have to know your customer, 100%. I think we hopefully all know that by now. But the second thing, that the addition to that is almost like when you are, you need to build your tribe, right? I mean, I think we've spoken about this actually, Ted. And so the way that I like to approach how you think about building a tribe is what is that common purpose that you can actually rally them around that is bigger than your product, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than them, that is going to like is, is going to be something that they can stand behind and buy into. And an example of this that I just because you know, Apple is the kings and queens of marketing, but you know, when they did that think different campaign, oh far out, that rallied people like nothing else before, right? Like, you know, it was all about you know, being the rebel and being, you know, the person that thinks outside of boxes and like, you know, being, and when you, when that, you know, when that campaign was running and you're either reading the words or you're listening to it, it was like, oh, like, I want to be that person. Like, you want to be part of that tribe. You want to, you feel called to that cause. And so it's like, how do you, for your brand, think about that? How do you create that cause, that common purpose, that you can start to build a tribe around, which is not going to be about your product. It's not going to be about your brand. It's going to be about something that is going to be deeply, deeply important to them and their values. That's kind of, I don't know if that quite answer your question, but that's one way that I would say, how do you actually differentiate yourself from big brands? Because big brands, unless they're really aware of this, they don't do this very well yeah. at all. 
<laughs> so that's a way that you can definitely start to stand out from them. Yeah. Big brands are not personal in any way, shape or form. They throw money at an audience and they get conversion from it and they just make sure that their sales are high or their margins are higher than their customer acquisitions and they keep going. But that that's huge as a differentiator. And let's say, because I love painting the end game for our listeners mm-hmm. and we talk about, okay, our quality of life can be improved if we can effectively start an online business market to our audience in an effective way, create a community and a tribe around something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than the product that we're selling. Mm. And we have that all vibing and coming together, we start scaling up. I'd love to get insight from you, from your experience and help paint that picture for someone listening. Someone's on the fence about starting their own business. What are some of the benefits and even some of the obligations that come with having an online business? Yeah. So I'm never going to sit here and say it's easy. Like that would be a lie. <laughs> I remember having a be another interview and I feel like I went too far down this path because he was like, so you're telling people not to start a business. <laughs> like, no, no. I just like to be very, very frank and very direct about it, that it is not easy. I, you know, I, my, you know, my clients and people in my community all the time get a bit like scared about this because I say, if you're going to start a business, you have to be aware that you are going to become a marketer, which means that you know, let's say you spend five hours, let's say you have a nine to five and you can afford to spend five hours a week in your business, let's say 80% of the time, which means four hours of that needs to be on sales and marketing. And I know that that's hard to hear because a lot of us go into an online business because we love a product or we love a service that, we, that we're that we offering or, you know, we love the thing. And so that's what we want to do. But actually, if you want a business and you want a successful business, the sales and marketing is where you need to be spending your time. And so that's the first thing. I'm like, if that makes anyone uncomfortable and you can't afford to outsource that, you can't afford to actually, you know, bring someone on to do that for you and to do the strategic marketing thinking for you, then, you know, have a think about whether business is going to be for you because mm-hmm. ultimately what it comes down to is if you can't sell, you can't make sales, you can't market, therefore you can't make sales, you don't have a business, right? That's kind of what it comes down to. So that's kind of the first almost caveat I would say to it. But if you're kind of like, yep, I'm dedicated, I can, like, I know that once I start a business, it's going to be, I need to become a marketer because that's, you know, I have to get my stuff out there. Then awesome. Like having an online business is like, oh, it creates you freedom that nothing else can. I remember I was talking to a potential client. She actually did sign up. So she's now a client, but I was actually on, on vacation. We'd taken a road trip to New Hampshire and she was like, oh, look, I'm like, you know, we, we were in the DMs and she was like, I'm feeling really, she was not in a good place. And I was like, look, let's just hop on a call because I don't want you, you know, it comes back to my, my, my purpose. Like I don't want, didn't want her to feel this, keep feeling this way. So we hopped on a call and you know, I was like, not tethered to a desk. I was not, you know, this is the great thing about having an online business. And for me, like, it's like, that's the number one thing. It's like the flexibility that I can afford you. Like everyone wants to spend time on what matters to them. And yes, there's going to be a period of time when you're just getting the business off the ground that maybe you can't, that's not going to be the end, like, sorry, that is going to be the end game, but you're not at the end game right now, right? Yeah. (laughs) means that you're going to be mired in like the, oh, this is like a little bit sucky and I have to, you know, kind of have to, you know, but once you get out of that and once you can actually find, start to find, create that freedom for yourself, you can do business anywhere at any time. Like you are not tethered to any one place and that's, the beauty of having an online business. You just so, yeah, tethered to an internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <definitely. Yeah. laughs> Walking to the store. Y'all got Wi-Fi? 
cool. <laughs> but I think that's so true what you said about the sales and the marketing. And I think we talked about kind of my journey with e-commerce and it's kind of my journey in just business in general, growing my modern man. And people say, what are your biggest challenges? Sales and marketing. And I think we as business owners and entrepreneurs, we get so infatuated with building the business, the structure of the business, finding the product. You know, that's all the body, the skin, the bones, the meat. We get so in love with building the body of the business. We forget the blood and the heart, which I would say the the heart is the marketing. The blood would be the sales because you pump the sales throughout the business, right? You want the sales to drive what functions the body and the marketing is really the heart, which is in essence who you are and how you portray yourselves to others. So without the heart, without the blood, the body doesn't survive. And if anybody thinks they can get away without it, you're just going to be a corpse of a business. And as you mentioned before, at that point, you might have to decide to fail. Clearly, you have a lot of benefit to to offer some listeners who want to jump in on their own journey, become a growth boss themselves. (laughs) I wish we had more time to jump into more of your story, but I definitely don't want to wrap up without giving our listeners and our watchers an opportunity to reach out to you, learn about your program, even your challenges, and find out more on how you can help them. So what are some links and some areas that they can reach out to? Yeah, so the probably the best because I go through my whole strategy in this challenge in this three day challenge. It's called the Call to Converter Challenge. So you can sign up at thegrowthboss.com slash challenge. And I don't know exactly when this episode is going to go live, but regardless, you can still sign up and maybe get the replays of the virtual summit that I'm just launching today. It's for e-commerce business owners, and it we have I have oh, it's amazing thirty two expert speakers that's going to be talking about everything from brand storytelling to product photography, to Shopify websites, to creating your launch plan to Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, like Instagram ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, SEO, like literally everything, affiliate marketing, everything that you might want to know to launch, grow and scale your e-commerce business. We've actually just started promoting that today. It's going live June 1st. So I don't know if this is happening afterwards, but regardless, you can register and I'm sure we can send you the replays. That's at launchgrowscalesummit.com. Absolutely. And I know our listeners won't want to miss that. I'll have the links in the show notes. And yeah, by the time this comes out, it might be past June 1st, but I know they'll definitely benefit from those replays. And it's a lot of great content to get. But Deirdre, thank you so much for the time and sharing your knowledge and your experience and your journey with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, Ted. This was such a fun talk. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm just going to wrap up some of the things from your story, some of the nuggets and the gems you dropped along the way in case any of our listeners missed it. First, you know, weight of expectations. I think a lot of us either walk with weight of expectations from our parents, from our friends, or sometimes from what we put on ourselves. And, you know, it's not always the best environment to be in. And it ends up putting us down a road where we go so deep, we get so invested and we end up somewhere where you might not actually want to be. So I love the fact that Deirdre spent multiple times, her and her husband having multiple times asking themselves, is this where we want to be? Or is this for me? Maybe it's not. And the main point is knowing it's okay if it's not, regardless of how much you have invested in it. Second point I really want to pull out was how you mentioned about the fashion technology business, the amount of testing that goes into it. So many people start a business and you know what they say about kids. Don't tell a parent that their kid's ugly. No one's going to think their business is a bad idea, but you have to ask people, how does my kid look? And if enough people tell you it's ugly, I know it's not fun. I know it's not It's not enjoyable, but you might have to believe them. And kudos to you for making that decision to eventually fail the business. And I love the way you said, we decided to fail the business. 
I have said this before on the podcast. People fail when they decide that they failed. People don't fail until they stop trying. So if you keep trying, I'm not guaranteeing success, but I'm guaranteeing you won't fail as long as you keep trying. So something to think about is sometimes you have to decide to fail to get to the next step of your life, which for Dear G was e-commerce and creating that human connection to combat these large brands that are insensitive. I don't want to say insensitive, impersonal. They're impersonal to their audience. And it's so important to build that connection. And of course, can people know, like, and trust you? Because there's only one you. And as we mentioned before, the sales and the marketing, you don't have a business without that. It's something that's going to be required of you if you're thinking about jumping into your own business, which we recommend here on No Rain, No Rainbows, wanting to live the life that you're looking for, wanting to have a happy and fulfilled life. Like Deirdre mentioned, you can have that freedom like no other. It is going to take investment. It is going to take focus. It is going to take your effort and your time. But if you put in the work, get the right mentors, go through Deirdre's challenge, go through that virtual summit and get that information for people who have done it, I know you can do it too. So Deirdre, thank you one more time. It was amazing having you on and thank you to the listeners and the watchers making it with us all the way to the end. If you got value from this podcast, we would appreciate you sharing it with a friend. That's the best compliment you can give us. Hit that like button, subscribe, catch a new episode every single week. If you love the podcast so much and you want to support it monetarily, you can at our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month and get some extra audio as well. And don't forget to leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. That way we can get better and treat you and serve you even better than what we're doing right now. As we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.